Good morning, and welcome to episode 263 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Ben Lindbergh, joined by Sam Miller. Uh, Sam Russell Carlton just reminded me that this is the anniversary of the beginning of the 1994 strike, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm glad that there's no strike. There's, yeah, there's going to be uh, baseball today, so we can uh, we can be thankful for that. It's the 19th anniversary, though. Yeah, it's it's not a special anniversary. Which isn't isn't a no? Okay, it's just. It's just the nineteenth anniversary. Um, so, so you, I wonder if yeah. yeah I, I wonder if I wonder if the strike would have been a, a good hot take answer. Probably not. Yeah, I actually was was just thinking that, but eh, I I think it was probably pretty hot as it was. Um, yeah. Okay, so you maybe even probably I would say even hotter then than it is now because now we have so many ways to entertain ourselves. Uh-huh. Uh So you are in a different place. Uh, today than you were the last time we we talked. Uh huh. Tell tell the listeners where you are. Uh, I'm in a closet. <laughs> so this is the new uh, the new Honda Fit is yeah. a closet. Um, would you like to explain why you're in a closet? Oh, I moved and I don't have a backyard anymore. Now I have a an apartment <laughs> and any room. Well. I think the kitchen will probably work, but if I did the kitchen, then my wife would hear me and I would feel very self-conscious, which is weird <laughs> when you think about it because uh, a lot of people are listening yeah. to this, just, just not in real time. It's easy to forget uh, about that, though, while we're while you and I are talking. Clearly, yeah. So um, uh, it, it, I think it would weird me out if somebody else could hear it. And mm-hmm. honestly, she doesn't even know what the words mean, so I don't know why that would bother me. But So I think the plan is that when she's awake, it'll be the closet. When she's asleep, it'll be the kitchen. And right now, it's the closet. The closet is a little bit like the fit, though, because it uh, it gets it gets hot. You know, it's like uh, say, it's not start, air conditioned. There's no windows. If you start running out of air, like uh, send me an instant message or something, and we'll we'll wrap it up. Is this like a yeah. is this a walk-in closet or is it? Are you are you braced against uh, the door? It's probably I'd say it's six feet by eight feet. Mm-hmm. So it's it could so I'm laying down. Okay. Well, we'll just we'll call it the recording studio. Uh-huh. Um so that means no more animal sounds on this podcast probably. Uh Nope. No more Not crickets, for a while. no more birds, uh no wildlife. So that's sort of sad, but um maybe we'll we'll hear some some coats brushing up against each other possibly. It's yeah, I might go down and test the range of the Wi-Fi. I would love to go down and do it on one of the benches down on the sidewalk, uh, but I suspect it won't uh, stretch that far. All right. Uh, so, what what baseball are we talking about? Well, first, I just want to note that Felix Hernandez mm-hmm. is on pace to strike out a batter per inning this year for the first time in his career, huh. which is sort of crazy. Like, I, I, I mean, you look at the list of players who have struck out a batter an inning during his career, mm-hmm. and there's you know a number of guys who you don't think of as being all that. Um, and Felix is actually, I believe, currently uh, sixth all-time in strikeouts through age 27, and will certainly pass. It will pass Dwight Gooden by the end of this month, and has a pretty good chance of passing Don Drysdale by the end of the year. So fourth all-time strikeout guy through age 27, and yet in this era where you know everybody's Lance Lynn 
or Jonathan Sanchez, he has managed to go his entire career without topping 8.7 per nine. And right now he's at 9.2. That's not my topic. Uh-huh. But it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that, that is kind of surprising to me. I mean, I know he's not he's not the league-leading strikeout guy ever, but I, I would have thought that he would have gotten above that at some point. But that's uh, that's the nice thing about getting ground balls and striking people out and having great control and pitching in a pitcher's park. I was going to talk about, and for a while in front of a really good defense, yes. but mm-hmm. not always. Uh, I'm going to talk about Will Myers. What are you going to talk about? Uh, Cuban players. Uh-huh. Uh, well, we're going to end up talking about uh, the same guy to some degree in the middle. We're going to, we're going to meet in the middle, I think. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, well, you go. All right. Uh, so this is just uh, inspired by... A new defection, uh, a, a first baseman from Cuba, Jose Dariel Abreu, uh, has reportedly left Cuba and is somewhere in the Caribbean. Um, it's not really clear where he is or when he will establish residency somewhere and, and uh, be able to become a free agent. But it seems like at some point that will happen and he will be very well positioned to make a lot of money. He's 26 years old. Uh he is maybe the, the best hitter in Cuba. Uh, teams have seen him. He played in the World Baseball Classic. So uh, even though scouts cannot get in to watch him there, they have seen him play in international tournaments. And uh, and people have kind of been writing about him for a while. Jonah Carey wrote a, an article about him last year where he said that he just might be the best hitter in the world uh, and made a case for, for why that was somewhat plausible. He's... He's more of a, a slugging type than than maybe Puig and Cespedes. He's he's not really the all-around type player that they are, but uh, will will probably be a, a good baseball player and will make a lot of money for playing baseball. So um, this just made me want to go back and revisit a listener email that we got over a month ago, uh, and we had planned to answer it, but we didn't get to it. So. Since this Hang happened. on though. Hang on. Before you get there. Okay. The best hitter in the world? Well, it uh you know, it was it was the hook for the article. Um I don't I don't think anyone necessarily believes that. Uh but but you know, Jonah talked to scouting people and uh Did he say just did he say just might be or yes, just may be? Just might be. Okay, because if he said just maybe, mm-hmm. then he's he would just be giving him permission to be if he mm-hmm. yeah if, no. if he could pull it off. I mean that would technically be true. He he may be if he likes. It's it's up to him. Yes, right. But no, uh, it was a might, not a may. Um, okay. And uh, so this this question that we got from Michael in Philly, uh, he said uh, a hypothetical scenario that the U.S. lifts the trade embargo on Cuba. Uh, if this were to happen, how would MLB handle the signing of Cuban players who no longer have to defect to become free agents? Currently, the CBA allows Cuban players 23 years or older with at least three years of service in the Cuban League, uh, which includes Abreu, to sign as international free agents without being exposed to the international free agent spending limits, while any player younger than 23 or without the required service time would fall under current CBA spending limits for international free agents. I'm appointing you, Ben and Sam, commissioners of MLB. Would you leave the system as is, or would you institute something similar to the posting system that MLB has established with NPB, uh, Japanese baseball? 
The current posting system is somewhat flawed and has fallen under scrutiny, uh, scrutiny, et cetera, et cetera. But a posting system would allow for the Cuban League to retain some of their top talent for at least a few years. The player would get their fair market value with no cap on spending. And the team's posting players would get a financial infusion by collecting the winning posting bid if a player signs a contract with an MLB team. Uh, So that is the question that is posed to us right now. And it was uh, another listener asked, Jason and Mike on Fringe Average a couple of weeks ago, where where they thought the the Cuban talent pool ranked in comparison to other countries and in other international baseball markets, and I think Jason's answer was that he just didn't know, like just really didn't know, because uh, he hasn't been there and hasn't seen a lot of those players, and that it's not really not really fair to judge the the country and the quality of baseball there by the the few players that we see make it over here and establish themselves um but do you have any do you have any thoughts on on your ideal solution for this scenario which which probably will will come to pass at some point well before i answer that let me ask you do you are you going to have any thoughts on your ideal solution scenario Uh, i don't feel strongly about but but some thoughts you will have some thoughts i'll i'll say something well uh I'm going to pass. <laughs> I'm very tired. Ben. I spent the whole weekend. You moved. And I didn't hear a lot of that question. No. Uh, <laughs> well, the basic question is just, you know, if if uh, there's no trade embargo on, uh, embargo on Cuba, then would you prefer yeah. that it works like Japan or basically that it, yeah. you know, that there's a posting system? I guess, or... wh- so I, I guess the question, the first question that we have to answer is what, is our um, motive in trying to create the most, I guess, preferable system. Um, In one sense, I guess as generally as people who think that players should, you know, have the ability to make whatever they're worth in a relatively free market, you would say that ideally um, Cubans would be able to sign with whichever team they want for as much as they're worth, and therefore uh, you would have them be free agents who were not part of the international spending caps and could just basically auction their services off as it has traditionally been in the past and as, you know, worked, right? Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, if our desire is to have sort of fairness throughout the sport for all players, it seems weird that a, uh, in in that scenario, a, a Cuban player would have such a huge advantage over uh, other international signees, mm-hmm. and it feels weird to have like this kind of patchwork system where everybody can sign by different rules and with different freedoms. And so, I guess the first question to ask is like, what are we trying to accomplish here? What What does the question want us to accomplish? Uh, I don't know whether I guess uh, whether we're taking into account the caliber of baseball in that country, and whether we we want to preserve it somehow. I don't know if that's a, a consideration. Like, um, I don't know. I mean, we're not talking about uh, making these players subject to the the amateur draft, but that's something that people talk about when they look at, say, Puerto Rican players uh, being eligible for for that draft instead of international free agents, and what's that what that has done to the game there. Um, what has it done to the game there? Uh, it it hasn't had a good good effect uh, on the game there. Um, Puerto Rican. It hasn't. 
no. Uh, what do what do I? I'm am ignorant here, so I'm not. I'm, this is not a loaded question, but mm. but what do Puerto Ricans do instead of play baseball because they don't have as much financial incentive to play baseball? Uh, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they do, but it's uh, I mean, there's been a decline in in Puerto Rican players uh making it to the majors and and I think the mm-hmm. the caliber of play in Puerto Rico and you know just because there's not as much of a, a potential payoff there and maybe also just because uh maybe they don't need to do that as much because conditions there are are better than they are in say the Dominican um yeah I guess I guess then clubs wouldn't be investing as much in Puerto Rico because you don't right yeah you don't have you know, it's it's much more like the draft. Well, it is like the draft. It is the draft yes. where you uh, you can. You, it's not really necessarily worth in, investing a lot of time in players who you don't have a chance to to really get anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it doesn't. It, it feels like the incentives for a Cuban ball player wouldn't be affected that much. It, whether it yeah. was a fifty million dollar payoff at the end or a five million dollar payoff, um, I doubt that there's like. I mean, this isn't. This isn't like the quarterback in Texas who's deciding whether to play football or baseball for, mm-hmm. for you know, UT. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess from a team's perspective, uh, Japanese players. I mean, is it almost like their their development is sort of outsourced to NPB clubs um, in a way? I mean, teams don't have to. Teams don't have to put as much of an investment into cultivating those players and and finding them young and building academies and training them um, and scouting them. Uh, but then they but also then you have to pay a more. lot of guys come over when they're thirty seven. Yeah, uh, and you have to to pay more for them. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe does it does it matter from from the perspective of Either the the player or uh, or from the U.S. perspective. I mean, it seems to. I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, discontent, I guess, with just the international drafts spending limits themselves, and we've we've talked about that, and people are against that generally. So, I guess if you're against that, then you wouldn't want to add another country to that system. You'd you'd want to to have the the Japanese model maybe yeah i again i don't know whether it's better to have uh, to contribute to the bad system that is in place mm-hmm. by you know adding more to it or if it's worse to have three different systems going mm-hmm. simultaneously so i don't really know i i i don't know it's hard to say yeah it's uh it's kind of it's it's i mean it's not uh, the current system is not in place for a for a happy reason, but it's sort of there's there's like an element of of mystery to the Cuban league and to Cuban players that that we don't really have with any other country. Uh, it's sort of uh, you know I mean when these guys sign, in a lot of cases no one has really seen them. Certainly we haven't seen them, uh, and even some of the teams signing them have barely seen them. And you can kind of do translations on their stats and look at what previous Cuban players have done coming over here. But it's such a small sample of people who have that, that that's not very reliable even. So there's just, 
such such an unknown element to a player like this, which is, I guess, why why Jonah wrote that he might just be the best player in the world. Because who knows the 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 error bars and the projection for him are are so wide uh, because the the quality of of competition that he has faced there is is really hard to pin down. In 2000. Uh... 2010, 2011, mm-hmm. he hit 453, 597, 986. <laughs> yeah, as as what, like a 23 year old or so. Uh, so yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would, I would, I would guess that the success of of Puig and Suspedes would probably uh, make teams a little less hesitant to spend on him. I would think. Um, and Chapman. Yeah, and Chapman, right? Uh, not that they will just just give any amount of money to any Cuban player, but uh, if his stats are comparable to theirs and probably are are better than theirs, I would think, um, at least offensively, then then the success of those people who went before would would probably give teams the confidence to spend a ton of money on him, uh, and and that will certainly be the case um, as long as the system is currently in place and he will be an international free agent at some point. Uh, and people are throwing around really big numbers for him. If we got 42 million, then, then maybe he will get, I've heard as much as double that, but I don't know whether that's, uh, goodness gracious. I don't know whether that's hyperbole or not. Um, but we'll see anyway. Will Myers, Will Myers. So, um, RJ wrote about, Will Myers for Monday, so you can go read that. And RJ, of course, watches Will Myers more closely than anybody I know. Um, and he leads with the fun fact that since the, I think, all-star break, Will Myers is leading all of baseball in the OPS, um, just edging out Mike Trout. Um, and, you know, really, Will Myers is really having a fantastic season. David Schoenfield, uh, 20 minutes ago or so, uh, did a post on who you would rather have, Puig or Myers, mm. going forward, and uh, doesn't come to a conclusion. Um, and you know, they're as David writes, they're uh, very similar in a lot of ways. Both are right fielders, twenty-two-year-old right-handed batters who stand six-three with big raw power, more speed than guys their size should should possess, and strong throwing arms. Uh, and he cites their um, you know their non-BABIP numbers. They basically have the same walk rate, the same strikeout rate. They basically have the same isolated power. Um, and, uh, you know, it makes you wonder, like, first off, doesn't it just seem like everybody's awesome now? Like, <laughs> like we are living in an era where everybody is the greatest. It's like nobody flops anymore. Who flopped? Who's flopped recently? Uh, it, yeah, I, I've thought about that, too. And it, it sort of feels to me like... I don't know. I mean, we've had we've had Trout come along and spoil us, and Harper come along and spoil us, and Machado do the same thing. Uh, and I keep wondering whether we're going to be looking back in a decade, and uh, you know, if we conclude that this is indicative of something that that suddenly young players come up and don't don't struggle anymore, and they're stars immediately. It seems like the sort of thing that maybe we should pull back a bit and and reconsider um and that maybe it just so happened that a few of these guys happened to to hit at the same time um but well, and i mean there's also shelby miller and jose yep. fernandez mm-hmm. and matt harvey and i mean 
you know, it's just it feels historic. Yeah, right? and feels... we've we've talked about the game getting younger, right? Um, and we have. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that a greater percentage of a greater percentage of uh, of league wide warp is is in the hands of young players than has ever been the case. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that that's yeah. not my that's not my conversation starter mm-hmm. though. Um, my conversation starter is that every time I look at Will Myers doing something good, the first thing I, I think to do is to go check the, the warps and see if he's past James Shields yet. <laughs> I just just did that. <laughs> and, and, yes, and he has. Yes. So, uh, so even taking, even not ignoring the six years of service time versus, uh, or, sorry, the, uh, you know, no years of service time uh, component of it and the fact that he's under team control for six years and the fact that he's dirt cheap. Uh, just looking at this year, dollars irrelevant. The Royals would have been better off with Myers, which is what a lot of people said, particularly when you factor in that Frank Coeur would have been uh, would have been out. Um, Granted, I think other other win value stats like Shields more than more than Warp does, but it's still I think regardless of which you look at, it's it's pretty close already. And uh, by the end of the season, maybe they will all agree on that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know who uh, who wins in each one, but uh, Re- Reference actually likes um, uh, Myers more than Warp does. So, uh-huh. uh, although Shields does have a very narrow edge. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, um, so then I, you know, I, I look that up, and then I think, oh gosh, what a what a deal, <laughs> and, you know, turned right. turned out exactly as exact. I mean, that's one of the crazy things about how this deal is how incredibly predictable everything has gone like and everything before, is exactly what you thought it was going to that's before you subtract or jeff rancor's negative warp right yeah. because you know if if you if you mentally replace rancor with myers from the start of the season or something then the the gap is is huge but that's still not my point okay my point is simply that you know, people are, it has reached the point where I think people are, are, you know, certainly with very good reason are going to just look back and go, well, that was the worst move a team made this year, right? It was trading Will Myers for James Shields and, and all the other guys um, in an effort to, you know, well, anyway, we've been over this. Mm-hmm. But really, what always ends up, what I always end up getting to is then I, I think, but the A's turned down Brett Anderson for Will Myers. <laughs> and Brett Anderson has pitched like, 30 innings or something he's been like he had an era over six he's been worth 0.1 more if i'm if i'm not mistaken and you know all of this all of the things that you would have said about brett anderson uh six months ago are still true in the negative sense um while you know all the good things that you might have thought about him are now a little bit sketchier and so really if you believe that rumor you would have to conclude that, in fact, the worst move any team made this year was turning down that that deal. It was the A's turning down Anderson for Myers. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, Shields is far, far, far more desirable at this point than Anderson mm-hmm. uh, has has been far more valuable this year. But you know, probably going forward, also far more desirable. Uh, Anderson's going to have five years of service time mm-hmm. after this year too. I mean, he's going to have five years of service time and thrown four hundred innings. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's crazy. So, um, so I, you know, anytime I see Will Myers, it for 15 minutes, I go down this exact thought process <laughs> and I finally get to the same point, which is, do I really believe 
that rumor? Do I really believe that the A's turned that down? Mm -hmm. And I can't resolve it. And that, so I just want to know, do you think that I should believe that that rumor is true? I guess it's not a rumor. It's, uh, Jeff Passan wrote it. It was Passan. Okay. Yeah, it was Jeff Passan, and he wrote it, you know, like months after the fact. So it wasn't even like a click grab. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, you know, heard this thing, um, and I'm throwing it out there to get you to click. On the other hand, it was months later, so, you know, it would have had a, a long time to um, to get distorted in the game of telephone that sometimes happens. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, but it was Passan who I think is the best, you know, probably the best out there. Uh, so I take that seriously. Yeah. Uh, so I, it seems implausible. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a, I mean, Passan reports a lot of things accurately. He's gotten a lot of, a lot of good inside stories. Um, but it's, it's really hard to believe that anyone would turn it down. We talked about it then. And I mean, in, in retrospect, it, it seems even harder to believe. I, I wrote a thing, uh, for ESPN after the trade was made, looking at the history of, of like top 10 prospects who had been traded either before they made their major league debuts, there were only a couple of those, or, or very early on in their major league careers, and uh, they had mostly not turned out very well. Like they turned out, I think, maybe half as well as the guys who were not traded, uh, equivalent prospects who stayed with their teams. And so that sort of suggested that the team that was trading those top 10 prospects knew something about them or had some reason to believe that they wouldn't pan out. Uh, and so I thought, well, maybe that that could be something that's that's happening here, that the Royals, for some reason, doubt Myers, even though there really wasn't any sense, uh, as far as the industry consensus went, that, that there was any reason to think that he wouldn't pan out. But... I, I wondered whether that could be the case. It certainly doesn't seem to be the case now. Um, and, uh, I mean, yeah, given given Anderson's service time and injury history uh, and what, like, Russell Carlton research has, has found about pitchers who have been hurt before and how often they get hurt again, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't—I I instinctively don't, don't really believe it. It doesn't really pass the, the sniff test for me. Um, yeah, I, me neither, but that was sort of the point too of passing, including it, you know? Yeah. I um, mean, the, the whole point was like, this will surprise you, mm -hmm. but you know, what you think about players is not necessarily true mm -hmm. and here's, here's evidence. So, I mean, he knew what he was doing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when he wrote it. So, uh, you know, I don't know. And his, I mean, his point, right, was that he w that Myers is a right fielder, and that you can you can get a corner outfielder if you want. It's not it's not really a it's not a rare talent. You can just go out and get one of those guys. Um, but even so, it's yeah, that's really hard to figure. I mean, if that were if that were true, that would be something that you'd have to put in in Billy Bean's, I guess. Khan's column when you're when you're yeah. yeah one thing and I mean I uh like I said he's he I, I really have have just so much respect for his writing and so uh, uh I, I don't I, I hope this comes out right but he's um 
he was a he was he was a Royals guy before he became a national guy, mm-hmm. and so he sort of had a reputation for having really good Royals sources in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you might kind of you might assume that this came from a Royal source, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just based on that, if you don't know anything else, mm-hmm. um, and you know, it, you know, it's quite possible that he confirmed it with an A source, or he confirmed it with another source, or. Uh, you know that that this is bulletproof, and and I think because it's it's past, and I think I basically believe it, even though it's it it's hard to imagine. I think I basically believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's from a royal source, you know, you you would you would sort of acknowledge the motives there yes. are a bit different, it's, especially in this case, especially coming a couple months later after the trade actually gets gets made. Yeah. Um, when was the the trade was made on? What day was that? Uh, I'm looking at his his column with this thing. December ni- December ninth. Oh, okay. So this was. So I guess that wasn't months later. No, it this is been... the day after, I think. Uh, well, yeah, but the A's. I'm saying the A's portion of it oh, would have been right. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, but months is exaggerating. But you know, at least, I guess months in off season time, which is a few days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I. I don't know. I mean, I certainly believe that that he was told that by a source. I, I guess the the source could have been could have been obscuring the details a little bit. Uh, I don't know. It, you're right. I mean, there are there are motives involved whenever whenever someone tells a writer something. It's it's for a reason usually. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's a it's a hard one to swallow. All right. Well, all right. That's all. Okay. So your first episode in the closet. Is... Do you think any? Well, do you think anybody has noticed that I'm not <laughs> yes, in the closet you, anymore? That you, I... you came out of the closet in the course did, of this did, episode. Did, does any? Do you think that it's noticeable? Do you think people picked up on the fact that I ended up in the kitchen? <laughs> it's. It sounds the same to me. If you hadn't, uh-huh. if we hadn't paused while you left the closet. Uh... I'm in the kitchen now. Just so <laughs> I, I just I don't want anybody to feel misled. <laughs> I am in the kitchen. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, so we'll be back tomorrow, and who knows where Sam will be. Uh, send us send us emails at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. <laughs>